Hello, everyone, and welcome to the there's construction going on upstairs in the Ed Wing, and we've all been uh, we've all fleed from our offices edition of the Monday check in. We could play a game. This is the where in the world are your pastors today? So um, you can chime in and let us know where you think we are broadcasting from. It's really not that complicated of a game for those who know the church well, but it could be. And mm -hmm. so uh, if you're watching, type in the comments where you think Damon is hiding and where you think uh, Greg is hiding. And then also say a prayer for Sarah Allen, who's not hiding, but instead is having the <laughs> construction happen right over her head as we speak. She is. Though we don't think that she's recording any special segments for the benefit of the church. Which, of course, is why we are in these other parts of the yeah. church. Which I did. I think it was, I thought it was interesting, though, because... Um, Greg, you are in a room that is decorated in the 1950s. 90s? I think it was actually a 1990s decoration job, to be honest. Really? But you, okay. It's so got it a seems late to me 80s, early 90s aesthetic to it, in my opinion. Really? Like, but because it seems to me that then that they were trying hard to emulate a 1950s sort of a thing. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think so all, and we need to be careful because uh, all of the furniture was lovingly picked out. Yeah. Uh, and, and the office was remodeled. And I believe that was in the nineties when that occurred. Mm -hmm. And so the, the pastor's office was done the way it was done. And the, the main office with the couch and the chair in there was all done at that same time and the carpets. Yeah. Well, what I what I'm building to right is you are in a room that was decorated during a particular time period right I'm in a room that was decorated during a different uh, particular time period right and I think I think it's cool that we have these I think this says something if you wanted to you could make this say something about the nature of the church and that like it, it spans all of these different time periods you know that that we have. Uh, places in our building that uh, were, you know, decorated in this time and places in our building that were decorated in this time and uh, the way that the church hopes to speak to multiple generations um, throughout time is, is where I was going with that. I, I think I like where you were headed with that. Um, as I sit <laughs> in a wood paneled conference room, which is of a particular era, yeah. uh, Though the carpet I stand upon was recently replaced to uh, help with, uh, well, not to help with it, just to modernize it a bit, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I like this sort of timelessness of it, right? Um, this morning, at least. It has nothing to do with our scriptures, I don't think. Though, I mean, there is a timelessness of the scriptures we read. And uh, last week we studied a scripture that uh, was very challenging to the disciples at the time that Jesus spoke those words 2000 years ago. And as it turns out, uh, is still very challenging to us today, 2000 years later, to everybody who hears those words. I made that uh, observation when we read the Apostles Creed, thinking about those who wrote the Apostles Creed, probably wrestled with the same text in Mark that Damon wrestled with on Sunday, and probably had the same qualms and concerns about it that, uh, that we did. And so yeah, there, I mean, th I think there's there is hopeless, hopefully a timeless quality to what it is uh, that we're doing. And who knows? 
perhaps these Monday check-ins will have a timeless quality to them and will be observed for generations to come. Oh, my. <laughs> Once Why? it's out there on the internet, you just, you never know. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, every once in a while, I think to myself, if I ever run for public office, uh, which I don't think that I ever will, um, there's a lot, I've said a lot of things at this point <laughs> that live on the internet uh, for all time that could either be to my benefit or to my detriment. But, yeah, they call that oppo research, opposition research. And I feel bad for the person that if I ever ran for public office, who would have to sit through years of my sermons trying to pull quotes that they thought they could use against me. Like, mm-hmm. that would be rough to have to sit through, you know, because I've been here four and a half years. Um, I preach approximately 40 sermons a year. So right now I'm sitting somewhere in the range of about 180 sermons just from this call sitting out there in the world, uh, most of them on Facebook Live. And uh, imagine having to sit through 180 of my sermons. Imagine. Well, I guess there are church members who have done that over the say. last four and a half years. And yet Eric Nielsen has done it. Indeed, Eric. Eric has <laughs> sat through 180 of my sermons, hasn't he? Linda's been the, through most of them. Linda as well. Oh, my gosh. I have such greater appreciation. I already had such great appreciation for Eric and Linda before today. But now that I think about the fact yeah. that I've had to listen to 180 of my sermons, I have much deeper appreciation for them. Yeah. Think about what you've done to these poor people. Yeah. Well, and you're doing, you do at least 12 sermons a year. And mm-hmm. so they're looking at at least 50 a year sermons as well. Yeah. And they're still around. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so the Monday check-in, for those who don't know, uh, what we do is we uh, take a look at the scripture that we're going to use for the upcoming Sunday, and we do a little mini Bible study, a little preview of some of the themes uh, that we see in it, some of the questions maybe that it's making us ask early in the week, and uh, get kind of a, a preview, I suppose, of Sunday. Uh, so if you were curious about um the sermon that Greg kind of alluded to, you can go back onto Facebook and find it from this past Sunday. And you can go back through all of these videos um, on YouTube as well and and find past Monday check-ins if you uh, really wanted to do that kind of thing. But um, uh, So that's what we're going to do. And then after that, we do a little bit of life of the church. So uh, Greg, would you like to open us with a word of prayer? I'd be happy to. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, your holy word for us is timeless. It spans centuries and it spans cultures and it spans languages. As we attempt to, uh, to reflect on your word, to interpret your word, and to think about what it means for our lives, may, may your Holy Spirit enter into us and give us a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of humility, May your word be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path so that ultimately, God, we can become more faithful followers of you. Bless our conversation today. Bless our time together and bless bless this Monday check-in, which perhaps will live in perpetuity, not as strong as your holy word, God, but uh, certainly will be out there. May it be a blessing to others as we strive to all be a blessing to one another. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.
I should say, I'm sure that there are other folks uh, other than Linda and Eric who have heard every or most every sermon over the last uh, four and a half years. Those were just the two that jumped into my brain right away. But Yeah, well, Damon, you've heard a, a pretty high number of those as well, now that I think about it. A healthy chunk, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, for the scripture that we have here this upcoming Sunday, uh, a part of it is uh, actually... Uh, repeated from past Sunday, and then it gets expanded on. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time with Hebrews uh, this upcoming week. Um, Hebrews, which is uh, an epistle, which is a letter. Um, is this one? How how confident are we that that this one was Paul, and or that was was it one of Paul's uh, followers or friends, or maybe it was somebody else? Maybe it was Peter. Yeah, know. so this one is attributed to Paul, okay. uh, but biblical scholars look at the language that's in it, and they suggest that probably it wasn't Paul himself who wrote it, but a follower of Paul trying to write in his style. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the follower of Paul trying to write in his style did almost uh, too good of a job of attributing formal language to Paul, because the formality of the language in the letter to the Hebrews uh, exceeds the formality of language that Paul would write in. And so that's why scholars think, well, yeah, we attribute this to Paul, but it was probably a Pauline follower because it's not in the language Paul would have used. Paul actually used slightly less formal language, but it's considered uh, a really, really good theological exposition. Um, It's called Hebrews. Those are the the Jewish people. And so that was the intended audience of the letter. It was written to uh, Jewish converts to Christianity. Uh, and they were discovering that they were suffering persecution. And here's the challenge that Christians in that first century uh, may have faced. They were not only potentially being persecuted by the Roman Empire, but they were also potentially being persecuted by uh, other Jewish people who had not converted to Christianity. And Paul is obviously the ultimate example of that. Paul was a very fierce uh, Jew uh, who persecuted early Christians. And we read about Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And so this letter would have been written to that community of uh, converted Jews uh, who were experiencing persecution, both from their Jewish sisters and brothers, and also from the Roman Empire. So there's a a fair amount of um, that going on, and you can kind of read it between the lines of the text that we're going to read this morning. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things when everybody is under pressure, then they tend to also pressure one another. You know, um, yeah. when everybody's feeling the pinch of the empire, then that, indeed, um, yeah. So, okay, so we have uh, a writing from someone sort of seeking to continue and to further develop uh, the, the theological thinking of the Apostle Paul, um, and it reads. We're going to start in chapter four and um, verse twelve, and then read through chapter five, verse nine. And it reads something like this. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because, and because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And that's, uh, that's the ending of the reading from Hebrews. And then connected to this, we have a couple of verses from Jeremiah uh, chapter 29, verses 1, 11 and 12. Uh, Well-known little, little bit of scripture here. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. There ends that reading as well. So, uh, Greg, what is going on? Well, uh, lots of interesting things, uh, starting with the, the Hebrews passage that we actually read in church uh, this past Sunday, but I wanted to pick that up and then tie it into the, the passage from chapter five. So we read the end of chapter four uh, last Sunday and, and then into chapter five this Sunday, and I thought there was some good stuff in chapter four that, uh, that bared repeating uh, and also set up chapter five really well. So uh, starting with uh, the opening lines of chapter four, that the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides the soul from spirit. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And uh, Damon's sermon on Sunday was a good reminder of that uh, on the passage from Mark, uh, the advice, I call it the advice to the rich young ruler, although as Damon points out in Mark, the rich young ruler is not defined as a rich young ruler. But that same story is told in Matthew and Luke. And in one of those, uh, he is defined as a rich young ruler. And it is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and gets at the thoughts and intentions of people. So, um, yeah. Yeah. For those who maybe missed it, that passage from Mark, uh, a, a man with many possessions approaches Jesus and asks what he should do, what he can do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, well, you already know you should follow the commandments. And says, I've been doing all that for a long time. They said, oh, well, you also should sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and come and follow me. Right. (laughs) And he walks away uh, grieving. Grieving. Yep. 
Um, but this Hebrews passage starts with the, the, the hard, the sometimes harshness of scripture and the call that it places on our lives. But then uh, the one we read last week resolves because it names Jesus as the high priest and it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm-hmm. And then we pick up the rest of uh, another portion of the letter of the Hebrews starting at chapter five. And the author here is getting into um, more of this priestly language, which uh, I thought was helpful. Damon also referenced uh, clergy appreciation month in October. And so the first part of Hebrews five talks about pastors or priests, right? Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And I think Damon and I will both acknowledge that um, at our best, we deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because we recognize we ourselves are also ignorant and wayward. Yes. As I am fond of saying, I'm just one idiot running around in the world. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sin, as well as for those of the people. And that's where Damon and I find ourselves uh, regularly. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when God has called, just as Aaron was called. And then the author switches and talks about uh, Christ as a priestly figure. So he says, so also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And this could be a reference, likely as a reference uh, to Jesus' moment of baptism. Um, and so the quote is wrong. Right. <laughs> you are my son, in you I am well pleased. Yeah. Uh, I have begotten you. We're blending some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Um, I love that passage because it acknowledges the humanity of Christ, right? Christ cries on our behalf and sheds tears on our behalf to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a reminder that uh our source of salvation is not our pastors or our priests or those things on earth, which we put stock in that the source of eternal salvation is in fact, Christ. Um, And that is our source of hope as well. So. Yeah. Do, um, do we know, do, do people think that Hebrews was written before or after the gospel narratives? That's a good question. Because I was just thinking that it may not have been actually trying to quote the stories in the Gospels as we have them. So I didn't want to misrepresent um, the author there. But um. So according to uh, the internets, the most probable date for its composition is the second half of the year 63 or the beginning of the year 64. So it would have been written right in the middle of when the gospels were actually being put pen to paper. 
Yeah, and would um, predate a couple of them at least. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mark would have. Mark is attributed to the fifties. I think Matthew is the sixties, and Luke is the seventies. If I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Some some two source hypothesis expert out there will let us know. <laughs> For sure, but teaching Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh. Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, <laughs> we have need of your services. Mm -hmm. So, so are you going with a? Um, because we're also headed into or are in the midst of um, stewardship season. The, there's. There's some elements of, um, well, there's sacrifice comes up a lot um, mm -hmm. in this little bit uh, of scripture from Hebrews, uh, this idea that um, this, the sacrifice here is generally thought to atone for sins um, in, some, in some sort of a way. Uh, and Jesus offers himself as, as a sacrifice um, to, to save others from sin and death is is that the connection here to stewardship or yeah the the theme that we're working on this year for the stewardship campaign is is around hope um and i just i feel like after 19 months of uh everything that we've been living through um a focus on hope would be a good thing and so we're going to talk about having a future with hope and so these passages, the Jeremiah passages, the core passage, which we'll reflect on each week during the stewardship season, that I know the plans for you, I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not cause you harm, plans to give you a hope and a future. And so taking that theme of, of hope and a future, a future with hope, we as a church do have a hopeful future. And it's precisely because of uh, the sacrifices that Christ made for us, um, that we live into. Um, and we're called then in turn to also live sacrificially, not in the same way as the author of Hebrews would be writing about gifts and sacrifices for sins, uh, but instead that we choose to offer gifts and make sacrifices um, as a response of gratitude to this gift of grace, this salvation we've been given as a response of hope. We believe there is a future and we believe that future is filled with hope and we can help facilitate, generate, create that hope for ourselves and our community and um, our, but not just our church, our larger community of Hastings in our world by uh, living in that way. So that's, that's the general gist of where I think this may be going. Yeah. Is it this idea that in a similar way that Jesus became um, hope for us, we are called to become hope for others or, or foster hope for others in, in some sort of a way. Yeah. I like that a lot so much so that I'm writing it down. <laughs> right. And I think part of that is about um, being uh, self-limiting in, in some ways. Um, yeah recognizing I'm, yeah go ahead no no i the the notion of 
sort of tying this call to sacrifice for others as also a call to hope that we're willing to give up uh, part of ourselves and our comfort and, and our resources and our gifts on behalf of others, on behalf of, uh, in this case, with the stewardship campaign, the church, so that the church can become a beacon of hope. So we are part of that work of hope of the church in the world through, um, through that self-denial, through that self-sacrifice, through, through all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, so United Harvest, I think, would be a really good sort of example of there's lots of other things that we could use that building for on, on a Saturday morning, right? There's lots of other things that folks could be spending their time on, on a Saturday morning. There's lots of other things that folks could be spending their financial resources on, on a Saturday morning. Um, But choosing to use the building in that way, if if there's anybody listening that doesn't know, um, United Harvest is a mobile food distribution um, thing that happens once a month through the Peace Center in the parking lot. But um, so choose folks choosing to be self-limiting in that way right um opens up i suppose the the opportunity for for some sort of a hope um to grow in that space i mean that hope may just be as long as that box of groceries lasts but um it's still there i guess yeah Or somebody who you know volunteers to teach Sunday school, or serve as a confirmation mentor, or even I, I know that folks who participate in choir feel as though they get as much out of it as they put into it. But uh, you know, but that's that's a chunk of time that a person wouldn't have to spend that way. And and being able to offer that gift of music on a Sunday morning, hopefully, uh, you know helps other people move into this sort of space of inspiration or contemplation or prayer or, or whatever the case may be. But. Yeah. Thinking too about people uh, on, on our prayer chain, people who, who use their time and their energy to, to pray for others. And um, yeah, that's referenced pretty strongly here, both in the Hebrews passage and in the Jeremiah passage, right? That Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears there's a there's a self-giving nature to that and in jeremiah after after the lord declares that he has plans to prosper us and not harm us to give us hope in a future as then you will call on me and come and pray to me and i will listen to you um and so again that's that's choosing to devote your time and your energy and your resources towards something other than yourself um and the end result of that is is helping to facilitate and generate and create a, a future that is that is hopeful in a world that is not necessarily full of hope these days, right? It's tough. Yeah. And so we have we have a call to be a beacon of light and hope. And one way we do that is is through sharing generously, right? Uh, of self-denial and giving of ourselves. Yeah, and I th- and I think also pointing out how countercultural that currently is um is really important <laughs> there's we're, we are so rarely encouraged and rewarded for 
stepping, putting ourselves to the side or um, for doing really anything other than what's in it for me, um, right. you know, to, to be called to, to live in a way that is self-limiting in some ways is, is a countercultural thing. Um, and sometimes requires a fair amount of like imagining as to what that even looks like, <laughs> uh, or, or feels like, um, or what the good of it even is ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there, there's a fair amount of creativity and imagination that can, that can go into this. If we can apply our creativity and our imagination towards becoming more faithful followers of Jesus, um, the impact of that is, is potentially exponential, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it does require precisely that. We are, you mentioned in your sermon on Sunday, we are so inundated in this culture of marketing uh, it's just the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in. And to break free of that, to actually see something beyond that and beyond ourselves is countercultural. It's, it's not uh, what our culture um, lends us towards. And, and, but it, it's, it's certainly what our faith lends us towards. And so uh, how do we do that? How do we do that faithfully? How do we do that consistently? And um that's why we gather as a community to, to support one another, to hold one another accountable, to generate those creative and imaginative ideas so that we can uh, be faithful followers of Christ and figure out ways to be Christ's hands and feet in this world. Um, you think it'll preach? I think it might. Okay. I don't know that I've ever preached um, a series of sermons from Hebrews, but uh Hebrews is the epistle that's been running along the uh, the lectionary for us uh, since we start fell back into lectionary in, in early September, and so I've referenced a couple of different Hebrews passages, um, and so kind of excited to explore Hebrews a little bit this week and and hopefully learn together. Yeah. Now off air, I said that I would attempt to pronounce Melchizedek, um, but you had to try to explain it. And you haven't done that yet. So maybe you'll do it during your sermon on Sunday. Maybe Melchizedek and I will have a, a, a conversation. <laughs> uh, should we switch gears? Let's, uh, let's talk about what's happened in the life of the church. Okay. Well, we'll start with, uh, you mentioned United Harvest, and I, I appreciated that. Uh, and we do have a United Harvest distribution on Saturday. So if anyone's listening and has some time on Saturday to volunteer, we could certainly use your help. We would love to have your help. Um, and so please come join us. Uh, we need volunteers starting uh, in that 9 to 9.30 range on Saturday morning. Um, and typically, we go for about three hours. Uh, we could use folks for any amount of that time. Um, if you can come at nine or nine 30, if you have to leave before that, that's fine. If you can come later and help with the cleanup shift, that's fine too. Uh, but we can certainly use volunteers to help distribute food to our hungry neighbors. So join us. Um, the rest of our church is, uh, is in fall break mode. So we don't have Wednesday night live this week and we will not have Sunday school on Sunday. Correct. That is correct. Uh, so we would uh, encourage you to find something else faithful to do with your time on Wednesday night if you're not at Wednesday Night Live. And 
Same thing on Sunday morning. Um, however, on Wednesday, if you are listening and would like to become a member of the church or know someone who would, uh, we're starting a new members class this Wednesday uh, at 5.15. So send people to that, please. <laughs> we've, we've got 14 people signed up for that class, Damon. That's great. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, th- so Sunday, uh, the the current plan, I believe, is to still have an 830 worship in the park and then a 1030 worship service in the sanctuary. Uh, we will keep our eyes on on the weather forecast. Correct. And if it seems like it was chilly Sunday morning, uh, it wasn't unbearable by any stretch of the imagination but right yeah so right now i've got my uh my forecasting app up and it'll be in the 50s on sunday morning it was in the 50s this past sunday morning we had 40 hearty souls join us uh for outdoor worship uh and so we'll probably nurse at least one more week out of it and see how we can do um and we're looking closely at at sort of our worship format schedule and outdoor worship and covid precautions and all that stuff so bear with us but uh, right now, the plan will be to have our 8.30 worship service in the park, followed by our 10.30 worship service in the sanctuary. Uh, then a couple of other things. Uh, obviously, with no Sunday school, there's uh, no forum this week. There are, and you can go back onto YouTube if you're curious. Uh, Dan Deffenbaugh just wrapped up a series on uh, uh, wisdom literature in, within the scriptural witness, uh, uh, Hebrew wisdom literature, um, which also side note, I meant to mention this earlier, Hebrews, I, Dan Deffenbaugh taught me like about a year ago, means the dusty ones. All right. So, yeah. So there you go. They were like the wandering desert. So you're not going to share your joke about Hebrews? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then we also have a good reads, rebookulously good reads, uh, book club going on. We're reading through a novel. It's called Home by Marilyn Robinson. We read another of her writings um, in the summer of 2020 called Gilead. And so we are recording conversations and putting those up onto YouTube. Folks can find them there. We have an open Zoom meeting conversation this coming Thursday, October 14th at 6.30 p.m. So if anybody is interested in joining that, they can let the church know and we can make sure that we get the link um, to that meeting out to them. So, All right. So since Damon's not going to tell you his joke, I am. What does Damon do on his days off from the church? He brews. He brews. <laughs> That seems like a good note to close it on, David. We only close with a prayer. <laughs> yep, I can do that. <laughs> Loving and gracious God, we do thank you for the moments and the spaces of hope that we find in the world. Those little moments of peace, of contentment, of assurance that come to us, whether they are small, whether they are large. Uh, whether we see them in our own lives or whether we see them popping up in the lives of those around us and in the world at large. Thank you, O oh God, for the hope that we know through your son, Jesus the Christ, through his birth, life, death, and resurrection. 
grant, O oh God, that we might be inspired by that hope to become hope for others, to foster hope for the world. In your loving and gracious name we pray. Amen. Amen. With all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.